Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. And in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Money Nerve, a financial resource that helps you have a healthier relationship with money. Do you feel shame around your past financial decisions? Do you feel alone in your financial struggles? Do you self-sabotage your potential financial successes? Do you keep making the same choices, expecting different results? The Money Nerve has just launched a new online course called The Course to Financial Freedom. To learn more, go to themoneynerve.com forward slash course. The Money Nerve has an offer to all Money You Should Ask listeners for a 25% discount on the course. Use code MYSA, all caps, 25, and start your course to financial freedom now. Thanks again to our sponsor, The Money Nerve. I'm excited today because we have an amazing person with us. Um, she is a real estate broker, not to be confused with agent, because that's like several, like that's that's good stuff. Um, if you don't know, um, she's um, had her. She's a host of a radio show called Tony Radio Show, um, which is a great show, and uh, she's a mover and a shaker. And I like to think of her as a positive influencer. Um, please welcome to the show, Tony Patello. Thank you, Bob. It's so amazing to be here. First of all, I'm honored. It's my pleasure. And, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you and this topic. So I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm so I'll tell you one of the things. Um, so I'll, te- I'll, I'll tell you that I, you know, I secretly stalk you on Facebook because um, <laughs> uh, I always see your stuff. Yeah. And um, you always have, from my perspective, a positive energy. You mm-hmm. always seem to like come at things with a, with a real sense of positivity mm-hmm. and um, like with intentionality and with integrity. And so I just find that infectious. Thank you. Thank and you. Um, yeah, so like, how do you stay positive? Like, where does that come from? Oh, that's a great question. And I'll tell you, I have to work on this every ah. day. Every day I do. I have a ritual I do every morning. And if I don't do that ritual, it's not a pretty day. It's not a pretty day. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know what? We've got to work on ourselves. And uh, a lot of people take it for granted, but literally when you do it and and you can feel the difference when you don't, but it's all about shifting your energy. Mm -hmm. And of course, I always want to look at things from, the best perspective, yeah. the most optimistic perspective. Sometimes people think I'm a little too optimistic. Now I, I can get real, <laughs> you know, I can't get real, Yeah. but at the end of the day, it's mindset, it's mindset. Mm-hmm. And so if you think that you're broke, then you're going to be broke. Right. If you think, if you just put whatever you focus on expands. So there was a day and there was a time back in, my younger years, I won't go, go there, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where I really had a fear of running out of money mm-hmm. and not having enough money, just wondering, you know, there's not, there's never going to be enough money. Yeah. I, I don't have that fear anymore. And anyway, as a result of that, I, I, I really, it's, I just don't worry about it. You know, yeah. I just look at it like, Hey, and maybe it's because we're getting older or I'm getting older. Oh, yeah. I'm staying the same age. So just to- <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I always used to wonder how my mom was so cool and calm about everything. She just yeah. didn't worry. 
And that's because she said, I've seen it all. Right. I've seen it all. Yeah. So I, there's nothing to get all worked up about. It's going to take care of itself. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, speaking of your mom, yeah. did you have any siblings? I do. And a lot, little? I have one brother who's passed on. Okay. And I had two sisters. One is still with us and okay. with me. We live okay. together. Okay. She's 11 years my senior. Okay. I'm the baby. All right. So my two other siblings have made their transition. Mm. My parents have made their transition. Okay. My grandparents. So it's really just my sister and I here. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we, you know. So you were the baby. So yeah. you either got all the hand-me-downs or you were spoiled. Well, some would say I was spoiled. Okay. But I'll be honest with you. Um, I've had some serious flashbacks over the last three weeks mm -hmm. because I grew up with parents who were in the civil rights movement. Wow. Okay. So I was an only child. Uh, my sister being 11 years older than oh, I, right. she was 16 and then I was five. Mm. Okay. We moved from Los Angeles to Yakima, Washington. Wow. And Yakima, Washington was loaded with um, racism. Mm -hmm. We had uh, crosses burned on our front yard. We, oh. we had all kinds of intense racism that we were experiencing. As a matter of fact, we were moving to Washington State because my mother was a real estate broker. Okay. And she had gotten a job with a firm there in Yakima. Mm -hmm. At that time, we didn't have, you know, internet. We didn't have any of that stuff. We had the phone. Right. My mom got this position that she, they offered her. They, they, we moved. We moved from Los Angeles to Yakima, oh Washington. We got there, and when they saw that she was African American, it was done. No, not no longer available. Wow! So we literally had to scurry and figure out what we were going to do. So my mom and I ended up going to Seattle, Washington, which is about 140 miles uh, east of um, of Yakima, and or actually Yakima is east of Seattle. So we went back to Seattle to see if she could get work as a realtor and she couldn't find anybody to take her on. So we went back to Yakima and my mom got super radical. She just jumped right in civil rights. I mean, there was some times when, when she would be protesting and my dad would have to go get her out of jail because she was hardcore fighting for rights. Good for her. Yeah. So we went through a lot. It was a lot. And then my parents literally started a cultural center. My dad and another guy in town there built this cultural center. And um, they brought in all the little African-American kids from the city who were not being told, not being taught their history. You yeah. know, just it was just crazy. Yeah. But my parents just took on this entire mission Yeah. to educate and empower the African-American community. And they and they joined forces with the Native Americans and with the Latinos. And and so that that's how I grew up in that. Yeah. So all these years, we've been watching this thing, right? Yeah. And I intentionally, when I left and when I was old enough to leave home and go out and do my own thing, I intentionally made it a point not to... Um, fall into a race conversation or a race thing. So I, mm -hmm. I, I intentionally tried avoiding it. Right. Yeah. But you would see things, you would hear things on the news, you, you know, but I, but I was like, 
you know, I've, I'm not, I'm not painting myself in this, in this right. picture, right? Right. Well, uh, here we are. Here we and are. Here we are. Yeah. And I, I literally had moments these last few weeks where it just brought me to tears. <laughs> what brought me to tears was to see the world standing up saying, this is not right. It's not right. Yeah. And 401 it, years later. 401 years later, I was weeping because mm-hmm. I never experienced that. We'd always experienced just the opposite where we were always, you know, I was getting spit watts in, in school. I was being called little red nigger, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Walking, talking, tootsie roll. I mean, I heard it all, all. as a little girl. And so here we are today, and I'm thinking that we we are beyond this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I left that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was grateful that my mom was alive when Barack Obama was elected oh, nice. president, and we took her to his inauguration. Oh my God! And she met him on a couple of occasions. Wow. So, you know, I know this went off track there a little bit, but it's okay. But the, yeah. but the but the 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 deal is is that you know. Uh, yeah, we had a, we had an interesting, it was an interesting upbringing. I'm amazed that your mom was, you know, you're saying she was cool and collected later on. Yeah. Um, some people would have been really just angry. Yeah. And bitter. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I also think it's really important to note because you mentioned you went to Washington. Yeah. Um, I grew up in the South. And so when I came to California, people would say, oh, you're from the South. What's it like to be a racist? Mm. And I'd say, wow. it exists everywhere. Mm. And just because I'm from the South doesn't mean that, but it's everywhere. Yes. Um, and uh, people would say, no, not on the West Coast. Yeah. Not on the, and and like, really, I think it's, you know, I'm, the conversations are finally being had mm-hmm. that should have been had it and should have been, been had yeah. and should have been had. Yeah. And so, but I'm, um, I'm amazed and, and like odd that she's didn't take it to that place of, yeah. you know what? Um, I'm going to be bitter and that your dad and, yeah. and created this cultural center and, yeah. and decided to, to turn to empowerment yeah. Um, yeah. instead of, Anger. Um, retribution yeah. or uh, revenge and yes. stuff. So that's, and how was that? I mean, I can't even imagine like having driven all that way and then just, of course, being denied a job that you were offered because, yeah. oh, we didn't realize the color of your skin are bad. Yeah. And then um, like, you know, money's not just, I mean, I, I grew up, yeah. my family was poor. Yeah. Um, we didn't have like, oh, let me go grab $50,000 out of the bank and handle that problem. Right. Uh, right. There's no money. We didn't have yeah. electricity for some weekends yeah. or a couple, you know, we just go yeah. without power. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how, what do you remember growing up? Was money a struggle? Did they have any? You know, that's a great question. And I'll tell you why, because they didn't really talk about money in mm. front of us. Okay. Okay. And they never, they never embedded into our brain that we were poor either. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have a relationship with money as of like, we don't have it mm-hmm. now. Um, there would be times when it would be like time to go shop for school clothes or something. And and my mom would say, okay, it's time for us to go, you know, do this school year's shopping. And she 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 used to work at iMagnet. So she's okay. all into the, you know, clothing store. She's yeah. very, very well versed in them. 
But she, we would only shop like once or twice a year and it would be for the season type mm -hmm. of thing. And whatever we bought, it, it had to last us and it, and it was good quality stuff. Yeah. But you know, it, it wasn't like we were going on any shopping sprees on a regular basis. No, right. we, that wasn't happening. But at the same time, she wasn't saying we can't afford it. Right. So I didn't get that. We didn't have that embedded into mm -hmm. us at a young age. However, we were hearing it from other families. Mm -hmm. You know, money's a root of all evil. Uh, you you can't buy uh, you know, all kinds of little cliches that people would, mm -hmm. would say. And I have to say that we didn't have those cliches growing yeah. up. Although the older I got, um, the more I became conscious of money. Yeah. It's like I wasn't really conscious of race. Right. Until we got to Yakima, Washington. Right. I didn't even know I was a little African-American girl. Right. When I got to Yakima. I mean, when we left L.A., I was just a little girl. Right. I didn't know. I was an African-American girl because yeah. we had friends and people of all nationalities. Right. So yeah. that was, you know, that was, I was shocking when I got to Yakima and I kept, yeah. and I went, I'll never forget because these kids were spitting spitwats in my head and in the classroom. And I kept saying, why are they, why are they doing that? Right. And I went to the teacher and I said, you got to stop them from doing that. And the teacher was like, oh, you're just going to need to learn how to deal with that. Wow. So when I got home and I said to my mom, why are these people laughing at me? Why are they spitting spit watts? What is the deal? I didn't say, what is the deal? I was right. too young to say, what is the deal? But <laughs> I just was like, what is wrong? Why are they? What yeah. happened? And then she had to t tell me. Right. Then she had to tell me that it was racism. Right. And, and then they had to break it down to me. Right. So, of course, um, and then my sister, who left right after uh, her senior year, and she went she went out to sing. She's a singer. Okay. She left. A, Pearl Bailey recruited her. She mm. went off to roll on the road with Pearl Bailey. Wow. And then she ended up going to work with Duke Ellington. Now, mm. that was an interesting thing, too, because Duke Ellington had one white guy in the band, Jewish guy, his bass player. And my sister and the bass player ended up becoming a couple <laughs> and they got married. Yeah. We, and you know, it was one of those guests who's coming to dinner type right. of things. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so when they got married and they went back out on the road with Duke, they were traveling across the United States. And of course, at that time, there were places where there was no segregation. Right. Okay. So my sister couldn't stay in the same ho hotel with her husband. Right. She had to stay in a different place. He stayed in a different place in the whole band. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. And they, this, there's tons of stories of that. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but we didn't come, we, we weren't, we weren't told about this. I don't know how much my parents had money wise, you right. know, all I knew is that we didn't starve. Right. We we were well taken care of, mm -hmm. but we also weren't uh, we weren't uh, operating like we were rich either. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Do you remember the first time you got a large amount of money, or that you thought was a large amount of money? Like I got fifty bucks or yes. twenty bucks. Or yes. Oh boy, 
Now, I'm going to tell you the, the truth. When I really realized I got a big, is when I had my first real estate transaction. Oh, nice. And that was a big check. And I thought, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is how this goes right here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but prior to that, I do remember, I remember when I first, I, I was in the entertainment business, mm -hmm. as you know, for, for 20 years. And I worked for Motown. I worked for Dick Clark. Ah, okay. And uh, when I started working with Dick Clark, that was way back in the early 80s, mm -hmm. early 80s. And I think I was making um, something like 20000 a year. <laughs> I mean, it was something. <laughs> and I thought, you know, okay, but, I I was, but I'm working with Dick Clark, right? Right. And then um, when I got to Motown, I think I got a $10,000 raise. And so I was at 30 a Ooh, year, right? All right, yeah. And then I will tell you that after uh, I went to work with Suzanne, Mm -hmm. to pass and uh, she gave me the opportunity to really kind of create our world there mm -hmm. and so um, we structured some deals in house uh, housekeeping deals with mm -hmm. different companies Lorimar different you know mm -hmm. Polygram we did a couple yeah. of different things and I was the one who was actually structuring the deals mm -hmm. and so I said to her I said you know I think it's time for me to get an increase because of what I'm doing here. Yeah. And I, I, and I laid it all out and I showed her and I said, and this, somebody that's doing what I'm doing would typically be making this. Right. And I'll never forget it because she said, well, you've carved the money out there in the budget. I, I see it. It makes sense. And if it works, you know, go, okay, you got your raise. Then I got a raise to $90,000. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so that was like, all right, right. That's, that was that that's was, impressive. That was that was fun. Yeah, that that was cool. Where do you think that skill came from? Like, was that just something you're good with? Like, because most people would not have the wherewithal to lay out the numbers. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, say budget or spreadsheet. Most people yeah. run, yeah. Um, but like, you are in a creative environment and yeah. you laid it all out very logically, and you made your case. What, yeah, was that just something that was easy for you? You know, I I grew up in old school bookkeeping environment. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'll never forget one of my uh, one of my mentors and bosses when I was working for a law firm in in Seattle, Washington. This is before I came back to California, mm -hmm. and I was working working for a law firm, Garvey Schubert Adams and Bear. You remember um, Brock Adams? He was a secretary for the Department of Transportation. Okay, yeah. He had a law firm, four of them, and I got hired as an assistant bookkeeper. And this lady trained me. First of all, there were no computers. Right. Everything was done on journals. I worked in the books. You know, with, I know that stuff. Know that I hate stuff, to admit that, but right? yes, I'm pre-computer. So I had that skill set. I, I got a lot of training with her. Yeah, and that's awesome. It just taught me, um, God, I wish that I had those skills today, but... Yeah, <laughs> but but it just taught me uh, how to structure things, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I'm also um, I have a creative brain, and mm -hmm. and I also I love deal making. Yeah, I love putting deals together. That's yeah. probably why I love real estate too. Yeah, so it's part of just part of my DNA. I think mm -hmm. that that's there with me. I I love I love the art of the deal. 
So how did you transition into real estate like that? I thought maybe initially you were going to say because your mom was real estate and that's, but you know, entertainment mm -hmm. to real estate. Mm -hmm. um, I went from intellectual property to real property. Got that's it. how I, that's how I describe it. Right. That I went sense. from intellectual property to real property. Now I did not grow up wanting to be a realtor. Okay. To be honest with you, I barely even knew that that's what my mom did. Right. Until I got much older mm -hmm. and then and I'd hear the stories and then people were writing books about her and and they were talking about the fact that she was a real estate broker. Right. And so I thought, hmm. Now, I had no desire that I thought to be a realtor. Yeah. It wasn't until uh and I was in the entertainment business and my bought my first home and the lady who represented me who's still in the business today, she stuck with me. This mm. is a very important message for any real estate professional. When you get your clients, you stay with them. It's a lifetime deal. Yeah. And it's not about the paycheck. Right. At all. It's not about the paycheck. It's about the relationship. I 100% am on board with that. Yeah. So she stuck with me and... She saw when I was making my transition from real estate, I invested in a franchise and uh, my boss at the entertainment wasn't excited about that. So uh, I ended up having, she and I were just, the, the tension was just not happening. So yeah. of course I said, I can't work in this environment where we're not even speaking. We'd been together for 15 years. Right. Well, my realtor she said, you need to come and get in real estate. And I said, oh, I said, no, there's no. no way. There's no way. I'm not going to be a realtor. She said, no, no, no. You don't understand with your negotiating skills and with your Rolodex, you could do really well. And I thought, uh, and then, then I had the other options were, okay, go, go, go back to school, mm. finish, get a different type of a degree. Uh, or, you know, I, at that time I wasn't as entrepreneurial minded. Mm -hmm. Um, although all, all, all of my employers were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So I had it in my DNA just by being in that environment. Right. right. Yep. So I ended up getting in the business. I got in real estate and the first few years, I must say, I wasn't excited about it <laughs> at all. I right. just was like door knocked. I'm not knocking at anybody's door to right. ask them if they want to sell their house. You know, yeah. <laughs> There's all these things, right? Cold calling. And we do, we used to go to Spago's and network down there right. to get business, you know? Wow. Just, I mean, she was hardcore, old school, but the real deal. The real deal. And she, that's, that's really where I got my training in oh, real okay. estate was from this particular woman who, mm -hmm. who was amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it was 2005. Everything was booming. Anybody could buy. And um, I was doing fantastic. I'd gotten in the business in 2000. Mm -hmm. And it took uh, about two or three years to really ramp up and really have my own phone ringing on its yeah. own. But in 2006, things started tilting a bit. Right. Next thing you know, 2007, you know, the banks were... Yeah, everything. Bad. It was bad, right? It was bad. Everybody was crashing. Yeah. We were crashing. And I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. I'm either going to go back into the entertainment business. And I had a lot of people who were calling me yeah. saying, you know, hey, you should get back in entertainment. We miss you. And, you know, and I said, no, um, 
I got to, I got to suit up. I got to suit up and I got to master this market. And that's when I started to help my clients who were all in trouble. Yeah. Help myself. I was in trouble. Yeah. Um, at the same time, my mother was aging. Mm -hmm. So I needed, my father had died in 1990. Mm -hmm. So she had been living up in Washington by herself all those years, still an activist, still very active (laughs) with her her stuff, you know. And my dad had said on his deathbed, he said, make sure your mom stays busy and make sure she continues to work on her her uh, activists, her, her, you know, her projects. Yeah. Her passions, her passions. Exactly. And so we said, okay, we will. And, and that's, and that's what happened. So when she, when she came down the business, that was in 2003. So we were doing fine. She had to have open heart surgery Mm. and that required a nurse that was 24 seven at our house, right? 10 grand a month just for the nurse. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she didn't have any, um, what do they call the, the insurance, the um, long-term oh, care? Oh, long-term care, right. She didn't have yeah. long-term care. Right. So I was the long-term care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I that, I had to sell real estate. Thank yeah. God for real estate because yeah. I was able to make it and take care, and of, take her care of her and take care of the all the things of, uh, affiliated. But in 2006, seven, eight, I just decided to specialize in short sales. Yeah. And I, next thing you know, my business was booming because everybody was in trouble. Right. I was teaching it in, in to, to other agents. And then other, the agents didn't want to have anything to do with the short sales because right. they're gnarly. You don't know when you're going to pay. Right. You they take forever. You don't know if you're going to get paid. They yeah. take forever. So the banks have to approve. The banks I mean, it's have a to nightmare. approve. It. So you have to have volume in order to really mm-hmm. hang in there with it. Yeah. So I did very, very well. I had two negotiators that I hired that worked in house with me. And we had, I created a company called LA City Short Sales. So that, um, that was, you know, when I really started to love what I did, what I was doing because mm-hmm. I was helping people. Right. So now, I'm being of service. Now I'm making a difference in people's lives. I'm getting them through crisis. Yeah. That's when I got excited about my business. Well, to me, that's what it's about, right? It's about being of service. Whatever we're doing, I mean, for me, my clients are relationships. It's mm-hmm. not, that's another tax return. That's another, right. it's about how can I help right. people? How can I educate people? Can I help empower them? Can I help lift them up? Yes. Um, which I feel that's what you do a lot of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see that where it's not just about a transaction. Right. Um, and I think, I think for most people, if you do what you love, yeah. like then it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't you feel You know, like it's work. not, uh, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, uh, a friend of mine who's a comic, she said, you know, I was selling carpet for years and felt like I was doing nothing because yeah. like, great, get the beige. And then <laughs> when she finally got her big break um, a couple of years ago on America's Got Talent, she's mm-hmm. traveling all over. She said, you know, like I, f- she feels like she's letting people laugh yes. and taking them out of yes. their everyday woes. Mm-hmm. And she feels like she's in service. She's and, healing. And she's, she's healing. healing. And it, mm-hmm. that feels much more fulfilling mm-hmm. than making sure somebody got their beige carpet. That's right. Um, I, I love and, that. And so it's, I do, I do feel, what did you originally want to do when you were a little girl? <laughs> did you, and like, oh my God, what did I want to do? You know, I love to work. I mm-hmm. loved working. Mm-hmm. I think my first job was a, uh, was a, um, 
I was a babysitter. I babysat mm-hmm. for somebody and made money. Mm-hmm. Then I I started um, working at a hamburger, Arctic Circle, mm-hmm. and I started changing the recipes, oh. making up my own, <laughs> making my own sauces. I'd tell them, "Come and get tuna sauce. It's really good." <laughs> it's crazy, but I, you know. I don't know if I really knew okay. what I wanted right. to do. You weren't like, this is right. No, that was the crazy thing about how where I've ended up today. Because yeah. I really didn't know at that young age. I didn't even know who I was. Right. You know? Yeah. I knew my parents were very involved in this civil rights thing. Mm-hmm. And I knew they were very passionate about it. And I was too. But I was also almost too young to really mm-hmm. be processing it. Yeah. You know? Um and they never, we never had that, that dialogue where it was like, we're poor and we can't do this. No, that, that was never the conversation in yeah. our house. Fortunately, I mean, that by the grace of God, right. we, we did not have that conversation. And, and my parents were always very motivating and, and inspiring, you know, mm-hmm. and so. I didn't really know what I wanted to, to be. Okay. My mother wanted me to be a journalist. Okay. Interestingly enough, when I got out of the entertainment business, which I never did anything in front of the camera, or, you know, um, I actually created a, a pilot for a real, a real, uh, real TV, real, um, and it was about the short sale. And oh, it, was, wow. it was really about my business uh-huh. and how we were going to each neighborhood helping people get through the crisis, right? Right. I actually sold that show. Mm hmm. But there was a fallout with one of the producers uh, who wanted to claim that they owned the show. Oh. And it was really not, they didn't own the show. I brought the show. Right. We, you know, we sold it through an agent. And you know what? I got a bad taste in my mouth yeah. from, from the entertainment space. And yeah. I have already, I'd been in that entertainment space. And, and suddenly I, I was turned off. Yeah. And my mom was with me. And uh, she was in her last, it was in her last year. Yeah. And... You know, right after she passed, because I passed on the TV show, mm-hmm. I just said, you know what, X. And then when she was so ill, I, I, it was an excuse for me to say, you know what, I, yeah. I'm not dealing I, with this now. Right. And literally, my mom made her transition in August of 2011. And by November of 2011, I got this offer to host a radio show (laughs) that to help bring the community, Mm -hmm. help heal them and help them get back into the market. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it was like the healing process for the world. We were all trying to come back. Right. Yeah. And I swear to you that had to be my mother because I would have, I never, she, she wanted me to be a journalist and to be, you know, in that space. Yeah. And I never imagined, I never even dreamed that I would be a radio host. And then suddenly it was like, boom, it was on, it was popping. It was like a five year, you know, it was, it was like on and on. Yeah. And so, um, I, I, I credit her to that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. If you think and think in terms of money, mm-hmm. um, if you think about over the years, um, what do you have any financial regrets? Is there one big thing where you, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that? Oh yeah. In hindsight. Oh yeah. Oh, more there's, than once. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, you know, the interesting thing is, 
I have probably made way more money than my parents ever in, in their lifetime. Dreamed have, of. Dream, have yeah. dreamed of. Right. So I went through a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I look back and go, holy camoly. <laughs> what in the world was I thinking? Or, yeah. you know, you listen, something else happens too when you tap into um, metaphysics and mm-hmm. spiritual Mm-hmm. spiritual things you 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 get this relationship with spirit mm-hmm. and it's like you know money there's more where that came from yeah i don't know what that you know mm-hmm. it's like there's more where that came from that was a mindset i had for many years yeah. it's like you know what there's more where that came from yeah. it's all good i'll make some more money over here you know it's all good it'll show up it'll show up it will and then there, then I went through a period where I got fearful as I was getting older and it was like, <gasps> you know, you get all choked up because you're like, oh my God, you know, I'm getting down to the wire and where is it going to come? Then you panic and you go through all that. That was a phase. Now I'm in another phase, but now I have real estate. I have, you know, I have certain things. Now, does it not mean that we still have tight spots? Yeah. Yeah. We still have tight spots. Right. But I don't, I don't worry. I don't worry anymore. I used to really worry, but you know, worry is a block. Right. It is a big block. When you worry, that's a block. And, uh, when you have fear, that is a block that will create a block. So you have to learn to manage fear Mm -hmm. and you have to learn to manage your mindset. That's why it's important for me before I face the world every day, even face my cats. And I got three of them (laughs) before they can even come and communicate with me. I have to do my thing. Yeah. And you know, I do my meditation. I do my prayers. I do my affirmations and whatever else, you know, if I want to chant some, I chant whatever, but that I, I got to have that time. That's my, my time. And if I don't have my time, Mm -hmm. then I'm nuts. Right. No, literally. So keeping you grounded. Yeah. It keeps you grounded big time. So people say, how can you be so calm? How, why, you know, and I'm, I'm the broker of record over at Keller Williams in Santa Monica. And I have close to 400 agents that work under my supervision and under my license. Many of them, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't know them personally. And so it's like, it's a huge liability right? to know that you have people that are out there working under your supervision, under your, under your license, under your license. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, but then they go, how can you be so calm? You know, and I can't, it's because I do the work on me every morning Yeah, and that's the grounding space. That's the, that's, that's really the secret. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What um, I love that. Um, mm. And I, so I have one last. I have one last question for you. What was the best? Um, what's the best piece of financial advice you ever got? Or what would be a piece of financial advice you would offer to people that listen and struggle mm-hmm. and worry mm-hmm. um, um, about trying to get their finances in order? Hmm. I once had an accountant, a CPA who offered me, I was just introduced to him many, many years ago. And somebody introduced him to me because he was a spiritual guy too, right? Mm-hmm. And he, 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 the first thing he made me do is get the book called 
the energy of money. Awesome. You you probably know <laughs> of the book. Anyway, make a long story short. Um, you really have to build a relationship with money. Yeah. You got to build a relationship with money. It's not nothing to fear and it's, it's a tool. It's a means of exchange. Absolutely. And when you develop that relationship and you not, don't fear it and, and, I don't know how to describe it other than you got to develop a relationship with money. Money is energy. Yeah. That's what it is. Money Absolutely. is energy and you got to develop a relationship with that. And then once you do that, then you can, it'll, you can start attracting it. Yeah. It'll, it'll come. Yeah. It'll come. You know, what you speak, you create. One of the exercises that I do every day is I journal. And if there's things I need, I just write it down and mm -hmm. ask for it. I'm not in the how business. I don't know how it's going to happen. Right. It's not my business. I love that. As long as I know what I want and why, mm -hmm. that's all, that's all I need to worry about. The rest of it is on the universe. That's right. right. I love so that. I, I, that would be my advice is that get in touch with the energy of money. Get in touch with it's, it's, it's a beautiful relationship once you have it. Because then it flows. And then it flows. And then it flows. And don't be in the how business. Yes. Let that come naturally. Let that come. That's not Love your business. That. You know, yeah. a lot of times people get freaked out because they're trying to figure out, how am I going to get this? How am I going to take care of that? Yeah. How? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the moment you step away from that, that how business, and you just stay tuned, <laughs> stay yeah. tuned, things will start happening. And you'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You yeah. know, oh my God, this is coming. Yeah. Oh my God. I've had about, oh my God, three times this week <laughs> relating God. to money. Wow. And here yeah. we are supposedly in a pandemic and the world is coming to an end and mm -hmm. everything is crashing, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Well, what I'm really hearing is do the work. Do the work. And trust. Yes. Like trust. there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. Um, and, and really, um, keeping those blocks from coming in to yeah. not worry, to not have fear and to just keep like developing. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's like for all of us, it's a journey to develop the relationship with money, yeah. to develop our relationship with, with who we are, yeah. our higher self and, and, um, like, and just trusting yeah. uh, that it's all going to unfold exactly that's right. as it needs to unfold. Yeah, that's um, right. I could talk to you for about 600 <laughs> hours and uh, pick your brain and talk because I, um, yeah, I really love what you bring. Mm, and I can tell you. you that even um, in Facebook and all that stuff, you can feel that energy that mm. you bring. I, I feel it. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you. So where can people find you on social media? They can find you Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. At Tony Patillo. That's right. That's it. Um, at Tony Patillo. And that's P-A-T-I-L-L-O. That's For right. somebody that's questioning, that. how do I spell Patillo? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, it is, listen, it has been so Awesome to have you here. Um, I completely lost my piece of paper. Thank you for having Cut me. Cut that out. Um, so I have to tell people, don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your other favorite podcast players. 
Right. Tony Patillo, it has been awesome having you here. Uh, I love what you bring mm-hmm. and um, keep bringing it. And Thank uh, you. yeah, until next Thank time. Thank you so much, Bob, for Thank having you. me. I had an amazing time here with you today. It was awesome. Great. It was awesome. Yeah.